into the past did everyone just get laid off yeah that feels a little too close to home because like, that was actually happens too often let's <laughs> <laughs> say i've been laid off since then twice so i've never been laid off i have changed jobs many times yeah at this point so have you yeah laid off twice changed jobs twice yeah i i went team xbox or no changed job three times ign Joystick, Polygon. It's a lot. Freelance. Freelance. Man of mystery now. Uh, I'm Anthony Gallegos. Join me as Arthur Gies. Hi. And James Faulkner. If this was episode one, I would be... Don't. 18. God damn it. You would be 18. I wore where I was 18 at episode one. Wow. It's actually a few days after what would have actually been episode one. Yeah, it was, uh, was it the it's ninth? Like, yeah, it's like four days later or something like that. It, yeah. it, it, we're, it's in the ninth year, is what. Yeah, we're four days into the ninth year of Rebel FM, which, wow. Nine years, that makes up basically a fourth of my life. More than that. So, right? yeah, you're not, you're barely. Not that old. I'm almost 36. I'll be 36 this year, so. It's about, it's about a third of my life. Yeah. You'll be 36 at the end of the year. I'm practically already 36. <laughs> I actually keep thinking I'm a year older than I am. Like, it's been a problem for the last two years. Yeah, I actually forgot how old I was. I actually thought I was turning 35 this year until recently. And I was like, oh, right. I I will be turning 30. Like, I thought I was turning 34. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, this is 35. Okay. So what you're saying is you wasted the best part of your 20s on the Scott Dan podcast. <laughs> It was part of my. It was part of those twenties. It was a. It was a component. What a fucking it. catastrophe! Wow. How you were twenty eight when you started doing the podcast? No, no. I was twenty six. Yeah, 26. that sounds right. I was twenty six. So the yeah, same age as I when I started doing it. <laughs> there we go, everybody. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Not joining us are. Andrew Fister, Nick Sutner, Phil Collar, Tyler, Mitch Dyer. There's all these people that. Yeah, have been no, part we've had show. a lot of people on. Robert Ashley was on a few times to yeah. a great deal of acclaim. Matt, Matt, Matt's not here today. No, Matt's not actually <laughs> Matt, here. Matt, yeah, he Matt's helping his mom move. Yeah. At first, Matt wasn't a person who was on the show regularly. Matt was a guy that would sometimes come on with Ryan. Yeah. To argue with Arthur a lot. No, that was Ryan's <laughs> job was to argue with yeah. me a lot. The yeah. most infamous argument was definitely the Half-Life 2 is not a good shooter argument. Yeah. Which yeah, he yeah. then came around on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool physics simulator. Yeah, no, it's, some, it's a great, it's got great game design. It has some fun shooting in it, but yeah, I mean, most of the, most of the good times you had were when you figured out how to take a bunch of dudes out with turrets and the physics. That game. made me a lot of fans on NeoGAF, that argument. Oh. I've, too, throughout the life of this podcast, have made some fans on NeoGAF. Yeah. I think NeoGAF knows who I knows who I am. Nobody knows who NeoGAF is now, so it's all <laughs> oh, shit. shook out in the wash. Yeah, That's we outlasted NeoGAF, guys. 
Dang. I mean, technically they still exist, but do they? Well, they exist in what seems like a nicer form. No, no. I mean, that forum, Reset Era, exists, but NeoGAF.com, you can still go to it. There are still people posting there, I guess. It's hard to give up what you've been a part of for a long time, I guess. That's what this podcast is all about. They're like the people that are holding on to EverQuest 1 at this point still. Oh, no, man, it's still fun. (laughs) No, it's not. What What are you... At that point, what are you doing in that game? In EverQuest? The yeah. same thing Anthony was doing You're in that just game. hanging out with people. Yeah. It's you just, the people you hang out with are still there. Yeah. So you're just finding, I guess we'll do this boss rotation dungeon, or this yeah. quest thing yeah. together because my friends are still here. I mean, I, I feel that way, honestly, James, in a lot of ways about World of Warcraft. Yeah. Like, I know they keep making new stuff, but I just, like, I still think about it. Like, but I also would never play World of Warcraft and, you know, unless I was, uh, many circumstances have to be different and I would have to have a lot of friends there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I will say when this podcast started, World of Warcraft was big. And when this podcast is still going nine years later, World of Warcraft is still pretty big. <laughs> I mean, it's not the, it still has well over a million, like, like it's millions of people that are still playing. I think the subscriber base is like six or seven. No, right it's now. gone back up. Oh, has it? Yeah, this is the last two expansions has gone way back up. So what is way back up? Mm, like a couple million. Yeah, so it's like eight. But even still, it's still crazy that there's that many people. When I was like still in college when that game came out. So yeah, no, it's me too. My most passionate years of playing World of Warcraft were when I was in college. I ba- I played the beta of that game on an IBM ThinkPad in two thousand four. I refused to play the beta, and then one of my friends was like, "Yo, we got you a beta invite," and I was like, "Fuck, I guess I'll try it." And I was like, "Oh no!" So I was in. That was a big year for video games. Yeah, that was like a murderer's row year for video games. Was it that in Half Life? Half Life Two came out that year. Doom Three came out that year. Halo Two came out that year. Metal Gear Solid Three came out that year. I'm pretty sure Gran Turismo Four came out that my year. now fiance. Grand Theft Auto year as well. Uh, Grand, Theft, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was that year. My now fiance, who I was not dating at the time, came up and visited us that year. She was a friend of the friends. A friend of my. Are the the sister of my best friend and a kind of burgeoning sort of acquaintance friend of my own. And I remember her sitting on my lap as we were kind of being flirtatious and having her play Doom 3 and being like, this game is really scary. And she's like, this game's dumb. It's not scary at all. And I was like, <laughs> it's so scary to me. <laughs> I can vouch for Anthony being scared by Doom 3. Doom 3 is a scary game. It is a scary game. Even <laughs> yeah. co-op. Yeah, it was, which, you know, is why some people didn't like it because it was too scary, not enough feel. Yes. Doom from last year or from the year before last year. Yeah, it was like Doom inspired by fear or something like that in a way. But I I don't know. We've talked about this. Before. I still like that game. But I still think like, that game's fun. It's just like a different and it's a different interpretation of the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Because what if you were a soldier trying to survive in a thing with demons? No, but like a lot of people felt like the original Doom was extremely scary. Oh. And. I was a child. I totally thought it was scary. You'd hear the weird sounds and stuff, and then yeah. the door would open, and you'd be like, It was like, shit your pants scary for yeah. some people in some points. And so they made a game that was that. Yeah. And Doom 2016 was the opposite. Yeah. Which I actually kind of like, that, that we've gotten both interpretations yeah, no, it's, now. Yeah, it's... They're, they're very different I think religions. It's like, I think Doom 2016 is like the Doom I would expect to be made by someone who was an adult and played Doom back in the day. And was like, Doom was fucking awesome. It was fast paced and crazy, blow everyone away. It was fun as fuck. And the the Doom from two thousand seven 
or whatever felt a lot like like doom from a, a child's perspective who grew up with it and was like oh, shit it's really creepy yeah so um man some things haven't changed i am still gassy mm-hmm. so uh we can talk a little bit about games before we get into <laughs> changes have you played anything uh i other than dota um i played some more horizon i actually hit a point in horizon that i really intensely dislike mm-hmm. um what point is that there's a side mission pretty early on where you are tracking the people that ambush the nora braves okay yeah um and so, like, you have to go, dist- you have to hit a tank of ember or whatever the fuck it is, mm-hmm. like the, the gasoline. So, anyway, you have to blow a hole in this fence or whatever. And first of all, like, there, you're supposed to follow the, the son of the, the war chief. Mm-hmm. And, like, you don't, you won't know where to go unless he goes somewhere. And, like, there are parts where if you turn around for a second, he'll already be there. And, the signposting on where you can climb in that section is really, really, truly horrendous. Yeah, they don't. That's the way we're thing about that game where you just kind of have to like, if you're climbing, you just have to spam jump up a hill. Right. Kind, and, of, kind of like Skyrim in a, in a way, but like even less consistent. Yeah. And and like earlier, like uh, elsewhere in the world, it's actually pretty good about signposting like where you can climb. Yeah. Like if you see a yellow horizontal thing, guess what? Yeah. You can jump up there. But there's not a lot of that that's within easy view. And there are parts that you have to jump up that don't have that. Yeah. Um, to the point where I actually reloaded a checkpoint to watch him go to a certain spot. Ah, okay. And the checkpoints in that game are not good. Um, like they're pretty parsimonious with those. And, uh, so that's frustrating. Uh, a lot of the, the sort of just general footwork, uh, that alloy has is not great and it feels exacerbated in that section. And then once you sort of get to the point where you have to like a, like stealth your way to the to the ember or whatever to blow it up like the enemy ai is extremely aggressive there mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't necessarily feel fun um it's, it's not it's not instant fail if you get spotted i don't think no but you end up having to fight like a million dudes yeah uh and when there's like a stealth option that's what i want to do and it feels like it tries to emphasize that in some ways and so yeah. i just don't think that it's doing it very well and i feel trapped because it's a side mission it's not even critical path but now I can't back out of it, so I'm just stuck in it. Weird. I, yeah, I, I thought there was a way to quit. Maybe there's is not. there. I mean, is there a way to give up a mission? Like think, when I you're think, in the middle of it? I think there's a way to abandon it. I'll just. But like, I'm at the last section of it. And you load into a mission. You can't just like walk away. In the, at this particular point in the mission, like I'm at a checkpoint where like you are at this point, and now it wants you to do this stuff. Um, and I'm just not digging it at all i'm like feeling pretty shitty about about it to the point where i was yelling at the game because i, I just had no idea where to go and mm. then was sort of blown away by what the enemies could or couldn't see fucking cats uh which is too bad because like i i am enjoying a lot of that like i like the bow in that game the, you, you like the bow i do like the bow uh, yeah um it's it feels very intuitive hey stupid you can get up here uh like the way that you you draw the string, but also let go of it just feels very intuitive. Everything just seems to work mm-hmm. the way that it should. Um, and that there are two different bows, like we're probably more than that. Actually, there are, there's yeah. several bows. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot of that. I just feel like the, the navigation on foot is not great. And some of the stealth is pretty half-assed. Um, but I don't know. I'll probably play more of it, but at the moment it's, 
that's pissing me off. Yeah, I usually play that game as like a kind of like Splinter Cell where you're, or Hitman, where you just kind of set up as much as you can if you're going into an encounter. And then once shit goes off, you just go off with it. The battle plan right. falls apart. Yeah. I see, but I'm not that way with yeah. Hitman or Splinter Cell. I'm like, well, reload. Yeah. Because I didn't do it perfect. So we're going to do it perfect. I th- I, but I think that this game, like, it wants you to play that way. It mm. wants you to, to, like, it have different phases. But tough fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, so I. At least with the human enemies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've leveled up to the point where I can actually stealth kill even some of the stronger robots yeah. or do like a hell of a lot of damage to right. the stronger robots from, from stealth. But, um, I'll, I'm sure I'll go back to it. Also at that part, like there was a part where I think enemies got alerted and I, and all of a sudden like my PS pro, my PS4 pro just started making the most noise I have ever heard a video game console make in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I could not understand how to make it stop. And I just unplugged it from the wall. Wow. Um, and it hasn't made that noise again, but that was a, that's a disconcerting noise for yeah. a video game system to make. Yeah. Um, so other than that, and a lot of really terrible Dota, like Dota has been just bad this week. Um, I haven't played in a few days, but lots of techie games. What? So many techies games. Yeah. Like it's become the band that I have to make every game. Cause I can't count on anybody else doing it. And we got like four in a row. I don't get it though. Why is he so bad to play against it, at this point? It, there, there it's was the same reasons change. he was always bad. Yeah, there's some changes that were made to his kit, but the reason that we don't want to play again, it doesn't feel like playing Dota. Like you, you just stop playing. It, it is a different version of Dota that is less fun. Yeah, it's weird that they allow him to persist then, because I don't know anyone who thinks that that character is a cool addition to that game. I, I know a couple of people and I think that they're not good people, but, uh, also with the talent system, he now has a level 25 talent that gives him like 250 additional right click damage, which means that he's hitting about as hard as any character in that game can hit. And he can just delay the game out to that point. And his attack range is pretty far, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's one of the long, longer ones. So yeah, techies is a punch in the dick. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. James and I have been playing some Rainbow Six, and there are certain characters in there, one in particular. Fuse? Yeah, that I don't like because of that. You know, and he has some things in common with techies in some ways. Yeah. He's just a trap bullshit guy, and I feel like when I play in rounds against him, I'm no longer playing Siege. I'm playing how do we counter that guy game. Yeah. And that's what I don't like. When so one can... hero defines the entire game, I think that it, it is not good for the game's balance. Um, and there are other you, heroes uh, you, like that let in Let me Dota. ask you, though. Yeah. You don't feel that way like about a character like... Like any of the characters that have like perma and biz or anything, because they make you play totally different. They they damage you economically, but you can actually if your if your supports are really committed to it, you can hamstring them pretty hard. And you don't feel you can do that against techies. There's no good way to hamstring no. him. The 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 way that the power curve works on techies is that the mines are basically good, very good early game decent mid like like they fall off kind of mid game and then ramp back up late game right because um, he's had enough time to put down a shitload of invisible mines to do a lot of damage right um and so difference between uh like that and a ricky is that it's consistent throughout the entire game and because they get ricky has that permanent invis it, it is it is a more like consistent power curve and he's weakened in the beginning because he does that have that advantage that early on yeah he can't ricky is unlikely to get a kill level one or two or even three 
necessarily. Um, whereas techies at level one can get a multi kill if you're not watching exactly where you're going. Yeah. He preys upon difficulties with pathing, which is something that players below like a, a high skill level struggle with the most. I think, and that's us. That's us. Like, yeah, and that's not to say that there aren't counters that you could buy Helm's Dominator. You can draft against them, but it's like a lot of times it ends up being the last, last pick, and then it's just like you're fucked, and you're going to be in this game for for an hour and a half. Yeah, like it's it's like those hour and a half games are can be good, but when when you know going in it's going to be that, it becomes less fun. I almost feel like there should be like a second ban phase before the last two picks in that game. Yeah. I mean, at the point you're just playing captain's mode, though. Eh. Eh. Or captain's draft or whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, but, I mean, and it's not like there aren't other heroes that force you to play a certain way. Like, anti-mage is kind of broken at the moment, to the point where I think that people are generally happier when he's banned. But techies is, like, the deal-breaker. Like, I haven't, I don't abandon games of Dota, but I, I ate and abandoned so we could get out of a techies As game. As did I. We just did, we just, and and that's like fine, especially if and to be clear, we ate abandons with groups, uh, full groups of people that we knew. Yeah, this wasn't us abandoning random people. There was we, an agreement that someone would eat an abandon if it happened. Mm. And so um, w- whatever the other the other team doesn't get to play, but I don't it, I don't feel bad for people that we're playing with and who we've talked to because they just have to requeue. It, it's not a punishment on the rest of the people that we're playing with. So, um, that and just a bunch of other stuff. It's been bad. Um, but anyway, so because Dota was bad and because Horizon pissed me off, I decided to try, uh, they are billions because, Ah, I mean, it seems like the next game people won't shut up about. Yeah. Which is, it's an early access game. Uh, it's an early access RTS and it's got some immediate problems before I even tell you about the premise that make it difficult for me to play, like frustrating for me to play. Uh, one of the most important, which is that there's no mouse drag to move the camera. It's all edge pan. It's all edge pan arrow keys or WASD. Hmm. Mouse which, drag. I don't know if I've like remember. you hold down a mouse button and and you're gripping drag the map. It. Yeah, you're basically gripping the map and moving it. I can't think of an RTS I played that allowed me to do that or that I did that in. Most do. Hmm. I only have ever done side pan or arrow keys. Anyways, yeah. continue. Uh, so that's a problem. Uh, and just generally, I feel like it's not a very readable game. So the point of their billions is it's like a steampunk world where zombies have taken over uh and you are trying to build a city that can withstand the zombie hordes okay and initially when you're building it's safe but as the days progress like more and more zombies come in and as like more and more days pass there's the chance the greater and greater chance of a horde coming um and Do you have some forewarning of a horde that it's like it's on its way and you're like if oh, there's fuck. a really huge horde it will tell you that it's coming and the direction it's coming from okay uh but it's but the cutoff for what a quote big enough horde is for it to warn you about is pretty arbitrary uh and so the game is called they are billions because they want to have a lot of zombies and when people think of a lot of units in an rts it's like hundreds but apparently in this game they've got the engine going up to forty thousand. Uh, which I've not seen, but I've definitely seen about eight or 900 zombies on the map at once. And at that point, like if you don't have like waves of defenses ready for it, I, I don't know that there's like anything some that you can do about it. Warhammer 40k shit, blot out the sun, 
just and never so, stop firing. So there's that in that, like you have to build defenses against a zombie against the zombies and try to keep them out of your space. But it all, it, that's not the only way that it works as a zombie simulation because every building and structure you have needs workers to staff it. Okay. And if the zombies overrun a structure, then it turns everyone that was in that building into zombies. So it can just spiral out of control like a zombie apocalypse can. Yes. Like, <laughs> like it just splashes from one thing to another and suddenly it's just like a wave. And like there are different categories and calibers of zombies. Like the, the freshly turned zombies are fast. Um, and there's like executive zombies, which are stronger, like which are some of your more expensive buildings have an executive in them. And so that spawns a stronger zombie. Okay. Um, and basically you have to play passively initially because it takes so many resources to build the thing that will let you start pumping out offensive units. Um, and so you have to play extremely carefully. You have to play defensively. Uh, you have to put up walls. If you don't put up walls, you're just going to get overrun. Uh, and it's going to be quick. Uh, and so far the trick for me seems to be double walls are like a good way to, to keep things going. Uh, because you can do a double wall in a guard tower pretty far away from it and that gives you like a sort of buffer um but uh yeah i don't know it's it's a real punch in the balls it's 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 a punch in the balls the way that a lot of early pc sort of rts's could be but in a way that is sort of orders of magnitude more complicated because there are so many different uh kinds of materials that you need is it a campaign sort of thing or it's survival right now okay you're just playing in the world see how much you can build your colony out like trying to survive like you win when you survive a certain amount of days oh and it's a randomly generated map every time dang uh and so there's like there's uh workers you need workers to build structures uh and sometimes they're expended and sometimes they're not uh sometimes they're occupied by a structure and sometimes they're not okay uh there's food which you need for the workers there's energy which you need for building and to support buildings there's wood, which you need to build structures. There's stone, which you need to, be, need to build some structures. And there's iron, which you need to build more sophisticated weapon classes. So there's like at least six different resource types. Do I have to acquire people as well? Or is that like something that I get? You you build uh, tents, which give you villagers. Okay. So like if you build a sawmill, it takes four workers to staff it. And that means that if your sawmill gets overrun by zombies, there are four more zombies in addition to all the zombies that took it. Right. Um, I imagine you don't just make one sawmill. You make a bunch of sawmills. I I mean, ideally you would want more than one sawmill, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's extremely complicated. It's extremely difficult. It is pretty compelling. Like it does sort of grab you and want you to keep playing in it. And it, a lot of times games can go so quickly that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like much to start a game over. And I think that every time I've died or lost, I've been like, well, this is over well before they were finished overing it. Yeah. Um, once the zombies get into your base, if you don't have like a ton of people or guard towers inside the perimeter, it's just over because there are so many zombies being made and your weapons are so comparatively slow that it, there's not any way to stop them that I've seen, but I'm also still pretty early. Um, and there are multiple kinds of map types, but you can't pick them until you complete a game. And it is not easy. And it's like you have to complete a game with a certain level of difficulty. And like everything you do to make the game easier lowers the difficulty rating. So. 
Sounds interesting. It is interesting. I think it's definitely worth checking out if you're into that into like RTS games, but don't want to spend a million years going through a campaign. Yeah. Um, and every game is different. And honestly, like you, you will probably know immediately if you're fucked in that game because of the random placement. Like it may not put you near any wood. Like if you're not near any wood, you are just never going to get to the point where you can safely harvest it because you'll be too you'll be too spread out. Early on, how do you defend yourself? Uh, you build walls and guard towers. Oh, guard towers are like your only defense. Like your no. So you start with workers. five. You start with a, a uh, soldier, which is a dude with a gun and armor, and four rangers, which are bows and arrows. Okay. Oh. Um, the gun does more damage, but doesn't go as far. The rangers are do less damage, but are silent and shoot farther. Oh, sound matters as well. Yeah. Because you'll walk around the map and there will just be like these gigantic hordes. Uh, and in, they're like undead cities, like cities that have been overrun that you can also take over. Can you use like, could you like draw people using sound in an opposite direction? Like draw a horde in the opposite direction yes. using a bunch of sound? I guess so. I haven't, <coughs> I have not ever been at the point where I felt like I had enough people to expend with some kind of cockamamie scheme could to I, draw. Could I also slowly like maybe have this idea where i'm like well we got to bit out the eastern wall so yeah no we're gonna that's go out there exactly and what i've done fight and just hold and murder zombies while the so workers you can't finish a new wall expansion you can't build or or you can build but the zombies will just destroy it as it's being built oh no i mean like put dudes out in front and be like workers fucking finish the wall while we hold for now so you can slowly crawl the wall out like build build it around your guard tower and then start building out from there and have the guard tower be able to defend it. And right. that's what I've done. And that's the most success that I've had. Okay. Um, and the, the, from there, the most success I've had has been double walls, but it won't let you build triple walls. <laughs> Nine walls deep with guard towers placed in between. Yeah. Well, it, it may be the only way. And ideally like you'll find a spot with like choke points. That's what I was wondering. I was like thinking to myself already. I'm like, could I build, a funnel for them with guard towers down the side so that they don't just go and wa- against a wall they'll just come in towards like a good way into my base because there the doesn't seem in. to be the the problem with that logic is there doesn't seem to be any rule against how many can stack on a certain tile ah. so like there could be like 70 zombies on right, one tile just for some reason pick this chunk of wall that they're just going to mangle yeah they tend to funnel toward a specific part of the wall so it may actually be that building mazes that don't prevent them from getting in, but sort of funnel them through a, a thing where they can keep walking but can't get to you yet. That may be the trick. It may defense. it may be a tower defense game in disguise. Yeah. I'm not totally sure yet. I'll check it out. I've been meaning to. I just haven't made enough time for anything new in my game's life. Yeah, so. We continue to play Rainbow Six, which it's, I think I think we finally hit the point of. It's good. We're no longer and, rolling every single match. Exactly. And so now we're starting to see some of the things where we're like, oh, I really fucking hate that about this game. Yeah. So it's, uh, I feel Which like, is okay. It feels like you've gotten a lot of time out of it. Yeah. Like 30 something hours at this point that yeah. I put into oh. that game. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like the, I think the game's bad or anything at this point. It's just, I finally have learned enough about the operators. I still feel like there's so many maps in the game. I still feel like every time i go on a map i vaguely have an idea where i'm going but i still don't know where a lot of things yeah. are it's like i if, think that that's a kind of a negative to be totally honest i do too a little like bit because i feel like like i played five hours in call of duty and felt like i kind of knew the maps and in this game i feel like the maps are just so dense 
yeah with like verticality and stuff and pathways that i'm like uh yeah it come like there's some t- when we're not playing with someone who has like 60 to 70 hours mm-hmm. um i feel like like we, we don't know where some of the exterior cameras are so we're all like it that just delays us a, a bit and that's again learning the map but yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, if we don't identify where the objective is, I feel I'm like, like sometimes the- we spawn and we run in the wrong direction. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And we've played a lot and we run away from the like the place where you need to go. Maybe like, that's the only way to win in that game. So it's it's still a really good game, and uh, you know we like it. But uh, I'm excited to see what the new operators are for this year. Yeah, me too. About the season pass. Um. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what countries they decide to add at this point. Yeah. Although the grind for the free to play grind for the second and third year characters, because I only had, I didn't, I didn't buy those. I didn't buy the full packs yet. Uh, is a lot. Like, like it's like twenty five thousand credits, which is like probably like twelve hours of playing. Yeah, or something like that. Which is similar. It's maybe it's less now for League, but like it was around the similar amount for League back in the day. Yeah, I mean, you ago. can definitely grind out like plenty of them for pretty cheap. Yeah, you can get all the first year ones very quickly. Like they're all, it's all it maxes out at like two thousand, and you can get that very quickly. Yeah, and that'll give you a roster of like twelve or something like that, yeah. which is fine. But <laughs> yeah, and they're all very capable. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I'm still enjoying it, um, except for points where I wasn't, where I feel like because of. Like net code or something like that. I've seen that game do weird things, like the same hit detection things that Battlegrounds straight up does, where it's like, I fired my gun and you fired your gun, mm-hmm. but you fired your gun uh, a millisecond before me, and your bullet hit and killed me, so it just got rid of it. Just the server canceled my bullet coming yeah. out of my own gun, so it wasn't a trade that would have happened. You just took no damage because my bullet just didn't count. Shit like that drives me crazy, which is infuriating. Yes. Is bit. it peer to peer or is it server based? Server based. It's server based. Because yeah. I feel like parts of that game were peer to peer. It could be, but like I don't know. It just might be refresh rates. I mean that ha- that shit happens in battlegrounds all the time. Like I'll straight up see the blood spray, mm-hmm. and and even on the replay now that the replay cam, I'll see the blood spray, and they take no damage because you were dead. I was dead. And just yeah, the server's like get rid of all shit. Which that they guy. shouldn't do. Erase all traces. Honestly, like it's better if people accidentally kill each other and i've totally killed like i've it can happen i think it just happens did you fire your gun at this exact right moment when the refresh rate of the server was at the wrong point to not calculate your thing i wonder if that's gonna get worse with all the specter shit the specter and meltdown stuff true since they do rely on a lot of the cloud for their yeah. stuff well and i mean fortnite was talking about how their all their matchmaking got broken because of that because of the the firmware patches it's definitely affecting server-based stuff a lot more to the point where some security people are like you need to decide whether or not it's it's in the best interest of your client and your product to actually patch this vulnerability because it's extremely difficult to execute yeah I still don't fully understand all that, and I read several articles about it, but it sounded like I don't really have anything to worry about. So There's a kind of memory that is supposed to be inaccessible, and basically yeah, you can, can spoof enough error messages to be able to get like a sort of fingerprint of the information that you're not supposed to be able to read. Yeah, I haven't updated my Windows, so I guess I probably should. just haven't done it. Yeah. Um, and there hasn't really been any word as to whether or not... like. Uh, 
newer Intel processors will be released without it, like without the vulnerability or not. Uh, what version of Windows are you running? I run 10. Okay, so that's fine. It's Windows 7 and 8 that apparently have like the worst sort of performance impacts from it. Yeah, my only complaint about Windows 10 is Cortana constantly causes my computer to crash. Like, have you, or lock oh, up. you can turn it off. So every time I now have ever seen where I go to click the start bar and it just will not activate, I can click it 100 times. Start bar window seems fine, but I can't bring up any of the start bar functionality. I just ta- I open my task manager and restart process Explorer. on Cortana. Just in process on Cortana, and then it all works again. Huh. I don't know. I, I just restart Explorer when that happens, but maybe so. that's... That may be happening to me as yeah, well. Yeah, you can't, or you can't permanently turn it off, but you can turn off the like the core parts of Cortana, like the non-search bar part. I realized that that's what was doing it. Yeah, for me it is. I just start started turning that off. So I never had that problem on my Surface, but I don't know. Still hilarious to me that they named it after Cortana, like a, a major Microsoft product. Well, also, that the voice is Jen Taylor. Oh, it is Jen. Wow, I didn't. I don't have the voice on, so I don't. Yeah, that's Jen Taylor. Either. It's it's Cortana's voice. Yeah, is Cortana. Hmm. It just doesn't sound like Cortana because it's not inflecting the Didn't way that she does. Did they change Cortana's voice actress? No, it's been the same. They changed the model. Ah, for some reason, I thought the lady from Battlestar Galactica became Cortana at one point. No, was huh. it another AI that was in there? May, I mean, there's been several. I started but, watching yeah. that Halo Nightfall movie the other day because I saw that it was on Hulu. Is that the one about? It's Osiris. The only, it's the only movie, as far as I know. But no, there's another. There's the like Machinima one, Forward Under Dawn. Yeah, yeah, which um, actually isn't bad. But well, I should I should watch Forward Under Dawn because this one's about the guy from Five. Yeah, and before he's uh, a Spartan. Yeah, just, they're on like a fragment of a halo, right? A fragment of a halo ring that rotates near a star so that it basically burns every night. It's the planet on Chronicles of Riddick. Yes, that is it is one hundred. Wow. I'm really sad that I never realized that it's just pitch black. It's not pitch black. No, it is, though. Because no, no, the you're mon- thinking Chronicles of Riddick has the prison planet with the sun that burns the surface. So it's that combined with pitch black. It's like this person really loved Riddick movies because there's... I'm going to spoil a little bit of it for you, but every night it's like three years it, old it should be burning yeah. and there should be nothing happening, but there's this crazy worms that come out and attack everyone. And that's what's murdering them all. So there's like the monsters of pitch black and they don't know how anything managed to live. Sure. And, but they, they think they might be like mutated versions of the worms that live inside the hunters, the hunters, but they, oh. they only seek out technology. So all the guys have to take off their armor and stuff like that. And now they're just like no technology. So worms. it also likes predator. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, I, that's like it's, enough. It's taking from enough stuff that it doesn't actually bother me, but it's if not, it's bad, it's bad. It is pretty bad. And it's, the CG and stuff is surprisingly bad, like really surprisingly bad. It was a was it a Sci-Fi Channel thing? It's 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 no. It's on Hulu through Showtime, but I don't know if it was I think sh- it came out on Waypoint. I feel like they did it in partnership with somebody. It's tough. I mean, the, it, I get it that like making real CG for movie quality stuff is tough, but like some of it, I'm like, well, man. That, for again, that's the thing is you write around that. Like well, I will say they showed. I think they did write around it to a large degree in the sense that you see one covenant unit in that entire movie, one, and they show him in the beginning, and he's only there for like two minutes total, and then that's it. There's no more covenant. Hmm. So it's yes, they definitely are writing around the very limited budget they had for those things. You know, but, which is, I mean, that's in my mind, that is generally a good thing 
Like it's good to write again around like a low budget because that's the kind of stuff where you get inventive stories that don't sort of overdo it. But yeah, I didn't find the story of this one particularly interesting. I found some of the characters interesting because I'm like, I just want to know more about that guy. Like, there's one guy who's like very clearly a Spartan who left the Spartan program, and he's just this dude now. Right. But like, they see the the one of the Oni guys looks at his hands and sees surgery marks, and they're like. I'm pretty sure you had titanium put in your body at one point and they look it up and they're like holy fuck this guy totally was a spartan that's that's the best stuff about the halo universe is like the non-spartan stories about like o and i and like them like the human race spying on each other and like the, yeah like the the separatist stuff yeah that's what this is i mean the planet they're on when this that starts all this is a planet that is like in the UNSC, but they kind of fucking hate the UNSC, so they have, like, a very detached thing, and they kind of look at the Oni dudes as, like, fucking government bullshit. Which they should, because Oni is responsible for a shitload of horrible war crimes. <laughs> totally. Like, so. the whole Spartan program is a fucking war crime. Yeah. Yeah. And Which that, they, they do go into in the Halo games, like, especially 4 and 5. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're not like, wow, Halsey's such a good lady, you're like, you're kind of like a Nazi scientist. You're Goebbels. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Your yeah. space gobbles. Yes. So uh, I yeah. wonder if we're going to get Halo Six this year. I would. You would think they they start have to te- like teasing that pretty soon. What year was Halo Five? Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen. Man, I think if they're going to tease it, they're going to tease it around the time the Crackdown comes out. I feel like if we don't get Halo, f- I absolutely six- believe. Do if we, Halo we, is coming out this year, that there will be a Halo Six beta with Crackdown. 3. I was about to say that that that's the that is likely. I literally back. asked Phil Spencer about that at E three last year. Or no, I think Plant. I asked the Crackdown guys, and they said that they had talked with Phil Wait, about when it. When does Crackdown come out? I thought Crackdown was like May. really soon. Oh. I think the leaked date is May because Sea of Thieves is like March. Uh, Crackdown is. M- sp- sometime after that man if you're microsoft at this point i feel like you're releasing crackdown because you need games on your platform and it's the first part but that is not something they can hope to make money on i bet at this point i don't think that it was that expensive i think that if they've had a team of larger than 30 people working on it for the amount of time they've had working on it it is now like a 40 million dollar game i think that they've had people contributing to it across like their various partners that's what I'm saying. I um, bet you that's like a. I bet you that game is really expensive. Uh, I don't know. They've got Sea of Thieves, State of Decay Two, Crackdown, whatever the Forza game. The, the rumor is that Forza Horizon is going to go to Japan. This yeah, they actually year. have video games this year. First party video games. That's nice. They did uh, last year. Possibly Ori. Possibly Below. We'll see. Um, I if never, Below ever comes out. I, I was going to say at this point, I don't even think that's actually. I, I, yeah, I love the game. game. It, the, 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 that, that game will come out this year. But that, from no, in knowing, that's just me. Like I, I believe. I you believe. James yeah. believes. I believe. Uh, I hope that Ori comes out this year. I don't know if it will. Um, but that, that makes sense. That like, if they if it comes out the beta, or at least like the announcement of the beta, that if you buy it, you'll get into the beta later. Right. Um, and then they do a full reveal at E three, and then. And release in september um, or t- towards i 100 believe that no big game will come out in september except for one red, is that red dub yeah oh yeah my guess is that unless it gets delayed if again my, if they don't have a game in the fall this year what they'll do is they'll do another financial promotion push with the next tomb raider game to be their fall game um 
and they'll I don't again think like Microsoft is going to get another Tomb Raider exclusive after the last one. If they pay for it. I don't think that that is going to happen. I think that they will pay for other exclusives, but I don't think that they ever get another Tomb Raider exclusive. Mm-hmm. Whatever hap- we haven't heard anything about the Eidos uh, Square Avengers, Avengers game. Yeah. You think it would maybe come out around the movie? Oh, I don't think no. that game will come out this year at all. I, I has it been like two years since they announced it? I thought it was like a year and a half. They I think it's been it. like a year and a half. I don't think that that stuff is very far along. Mm. Um, also, depending on the partnership, they can you talk about this? Is it even a discussion you can have? I don't know. <laughs> what are we talking about? I uh, just like what the the Marvel licensing stuff is. Like, oh, I mean, I could talk about vaguely what I know, but I don't have any idea what their contract uh, or license would be. Like, it's I know with, for every licensee with other movie license stuff, like the closer it comes out to a home video release or theatrical release of the property, like the more royalties they have to pay. Ah, oh yeah, I know nothing about anything like that. I don't know if that's the way that the Marvel stuff has worked, but that's the way that other movie stuff has worked. Yeah, as far as I, I never heard anybody talk about anything like this. So I, I really couldn't say. Uh, I know that we often tried to time things alongside movies simply because it was the best free marketing you could get. So, but actually, when I was there, I was always trying to encourage us to release our content for console, not around movie releases, but to release it around Blu-ray releases, solely because I didn't think that Sony would have very much interest in promoting our stuff on the store when they didn't have something to promote it with. Yeah. So I was like, why would they care that a movie's out in movie theaters? Like they don't give a shit. So they don't want to promote our game for that, but they will promote us when it's like play Marvel heroes and play these characters as well as fucking buy buy the digital file from us. Like, of course they do that. I thought, I thought I've seen like, uh, sorry, CLPs or custom landing pages on, on consoles for like, like buying tickets. I think I feel, I've seen that once or twice. I don't know if I've seen that. I wouldn't be surprised I on Xbox I would assume that there are ads because you can open ads on Xbox and it takes you to edge yeah um I've literally seen ads on Xbox for PC games before yeah like that kind of threw me off the first time I saw that I was like this isn't even an Xbox game they just buy ad space holy shit there are a lot of Xbox Live subscribers yes remarkably there are more Xbox Live subscribers than there are PSN subscribers somehow yeah, I think it's just because, like, even though I play more on my PlayStation, I just never gave up. I'm not going to stop paying for live at this point, so you got me. My Plus subscription has lapsed, and I will renew it at some point, but I don't know when. <laughs> Only when you need it. I just keep them both going. I usually wait until, like, I see a really good deal on Slick Deals that's, like, $30 for the year, and I just pounce on it. Yeah, I'm it. waiting for that because PSN prices have shot up, and I'm like, I don't really want to pay $50 for something I don't know what I'm going to use. Yeah, and I also But when I do use it, I'll get it then. Yeah. I don't... It's not like I, I don't ever remember to log into either and, the, like, get my free quote games. You don't even have to log in on your Xbox One to do that, though. You can just do it through the website. I don't even remember to do that. <laughs> like, if you follow Major Nelson on Twitter, he posts links. You ah. just click on the link, and it takes you to the page. And yeah, you add it to your account from there. I think the only reason I kept it is because there may have been some apps that weren't on Xbox One for a little bit. It wasn't like Showtime. It was like uh, one of the other like entertainment entertainment things. apps. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Cinemax. I think the only reason I kept it is because it was a tax write off. That was really the only reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know if we're gonna get a Halo game this year, but I'd like it if we did. I don't know if we'll get it, but we'll certainly see it. 
I have to I, if it doesn't it. come out this year, I don't think they show it. Really? Yeah. I don't. You don't think they'll announce it and be like next year or something? No. Get, get the hype. I think that the the cycle for games has been condensed. I don't. I think that nobody is getting away with like the extended reveal. Just like I think that it Except was maybe. <laughs> I mean, Ubisoft and, showed a bunch of games last year that aren't out yet, but they were supposed to be. The Black Flag thing wasn't supposed to be like not that, that was, but Far Cry was supposed to be out already and got delayed. And I'm pretty sure the Black Flag stuff was supposed to be out before E3. I also showed that Beyond Good and Evil game that will never come out. Yeah, well, I, I, and I that do, was a mistake. I do. Yeah, I think, but I think Arthur's right. I think it's a majority of like the E3 stuff, or like the it's the cycle stuff has shortened. They occasionally will be like, yes, yeah, so here's the things we're working on in the way future but like it's i think it's just too hard to keep feeding that fire oxygen over time yeah especially when you're fighting with so many different things like games of service stuff where like people still give a shit about destiny even if it's just to be mad about it and people care about like rainbow six or for honor and like a million other games. battlefield game this coming year maybe i feel like they've started trading off battlefield and battlefront uh point. battlefront was 2015 and the new Battlefront just came out. Yeah, so. and then Battlefield 1, and then yeah. Battlefront 2. Maybe. Um, they could also break the cycle this year. But and, DICE and, didn't do that. Like, DICE worked a bit. I mean, DICE worked on Battlefront, but they didn't work on Battlefield Hardline. True. Um, and Hardline was, like, the off-year Battlefield or whatever. True, but it was Battlefield. I guess there was Hardline, you're right. Then it was Battlefront. Then Battlefield 1. Then Battlefront. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I also think that they, they want to figure out what they're going to do. Although, I like I, I feel like I saw a Bad Company 3 rumor, and I really want it to be true. Nah, there's, I, I will. I just can't. I, I put no stock in it. I want it to be true. I mean, I put stock in it existing. I just don't put stock in it living up to what we would want it to be. I, that's, bad, bad Company 2 is probably still the, like up there on top three multiplayer shooters for me yeah small squad like small map movements i went back and played it the other day like really recently actually and it's a little hard to go back to some of it but there's quality of life improvements that have happened about it but i I had no idea that that game like it's such a weird thing like it's so story driven it's interesting right off the bat like that game opens up with a world war ii mission even though it's not about world war ii you know Mm -hmm. Like, I forgot about that. I'm pretty sure they used those assets to make Battlefield 1943. That would not surprise me, because that was a lot of assets for <laughs> one, like, 20-minute mission. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Battlefield 1943 might be one of, might be my favorite multiplayer Battlefield game I ever played. It was pretty good. It was really fucking good. That was 2009, right? That sounds right. Summer 2009? Yeah. And then Battlefield Bad Company 2 was, like, February of 2010. Yeah. And then we got Battlefield Heroes. Was Heroes before that? <laughs> yeah, I think it was, because I think, I think Sean... Yeah, because the, all the GFW guys did a, a cover story for that game. So... Um, it wouldn't be a Rebel FM without Anthony breaking a mic. It wouldn't be a Rebel FM without me either breaking a mic or there being animal incidents... Like, I was actually thinking about that if I was going to be nostalgic about an older episode of Rebel FM, and one that I still love to this date is that brief time that I was fostering to adopt that pug that oh, I did God. not end the up captain. adopting. Yeah, his name was Admiral Akbar. Yeah. And, and he, the and, Admiral. Yes, and he fucked up our podcast so bad that time that the image was just a crazy pug face. Yeah, I, I do remember <laughs> making that album art. Yeah. 
Um, we have a bunch of emails. We do that we solicited from people. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different tone of podcast. It's it's going to be us kind of taking a little trip down, asking people. Well, Arthur asked that people to reflect on the show, but also how their life has changed. Yeah, I want to. I because when when we observed it on Twitter that it's been nine years since we started, like there were multiple people that were like, "Yeah, I had a kid right as you were starting, and they're like in third grade now." Or it was. I was in college. I'm now married and am having my first child. Or I was in college. I got married, had kids. I am now divorced, now working on second marriage. Yeah. And it's like, that's no, that, that much time could not have passed. Yeah. For instance, Vince says when he started the show, he was an English teacher in Osaka and he uh, ended up staying in Japan, then went back to El Paso in 2012, he was in a long-distance relationship with a girl in Japan for three years. He went back every summer, and then they got married in 2015, and now they're still married. So this guy was, like, just a dude teaching English in Japan and has now had this crazy... I mean, he had three years of long-distance relationship on top of the actual, like, in-person relationship. So he's, he, had, he now has six nephews since he started listening to the <laughs> show. He's just measuring it in babies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, he, he says bring back Ryan for an episode or two. Scott I w- or, or... I think he means O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Ryan O'Donnell did way more episodes of the show than Ryan Scott yeah, ever no, did. No, I would, we would love to have Ryan O'Donnell on, but Ryan is as busy as Matt and doesn't have this as, tr- as momentum <laughs> to participate. Perhaps once all the episodes of Adderlands are out, yeah. we could have both of them on. And we'll just talk about Half-Life 2 again. <laughs> Uh, uh, Andy Guthrie wrote in and said, "In the nine years since the one of Apocalypse, I've earned three hundred and thirty thousand achievement points." Jesus Christ! Assuredly, some amount of them earned while listening. Also, the time I spent inhabiting the same Rust server as you guys was quite therapeutic during some serious unemployment. I don't recommend entering the job market in two thousand eight. Thanks for the hours, man. Uh, for three hundred, I don't even think I have like fifty thousand. I think I'm close to fifty thousand. Yeah, I'm close to fifty thousand. And um, that's and I've played a lot of getting Xbox toward a hundred thousand. I just never chased any achievements, but man, three hundred and something. Whew. There was like a golden era of achievements where it was easier to get them. Yeah. So while I remember Will Tuttle was my boss, and he would lit- I'd literally go by Will's desk and be like, "Open season the video game," <laughs> and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, this is the one. This is the one. Eight hours tonight, and I'm good. Thousand points." I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck, man, that's a problem." <laughs> so, like when you're like tar- tracking down children's games like Kung Fu Panda and stuff, like I was like, "Ah, if only the, the, he they, he'd invested in uh the." playstation trophies which now you can cash in for for cents yeah pennies for, on, pennies on the like you're about you're probably making about like you know the same wages you would have in 1810 or something like that yeah <laughs> per hour uh let's see jason van dyke says in nine years i have started and finished grad school while seasonally running tree planting camps it's a canadian thing jesus worked for doctors without borders for three years in southern sudan in the democratic republic of congo uh, during that time, I met my now wife, and she got pregnant, so I moved to Germany the day before my son was born. Uh, premature. Premature. Got married, and for the last two years, I've been mostly stay-at-home dad. So I suppose you earned a, I mean, I guess. I guess you earned a couple of lazy years <laughs> after three years in two war-torn countries <laughs> doing Doctors Without Borders. So I, uh, 
man, that is someone who actually did things with their life as opposed to recording a stupid podcast for nine years. Three years, I'm sure. That dude got a life's worth of stories off of three years in, you know, countries that are, like, crazy. Like, I mean, they are. They're just ripped apart. A lot of shit goes down. Yeah. Where Doctors Without Borders operates. Yeah, you, I feel because like in calm countries the doctors are just cool with borders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to send in people that we hopefully won't get killed because they can be neutral. But you may get killed. Here you go. We're sending you some more where the cross on your arm may be the only thing that saves you. Yes. Don't tell anyone you're American. And it's not full of vampires. Um, let's see. Wow, you guys wrote in a lot. Um. This is interesting. John says, I'm not proud of who I was when I was a younger man. I grew up in a part of the world and moved in social circles that left me angry, bitter, and closed-minded. Listening to the conversations on Rebel FM forced me to confront many of my views I held and to question the type of person I wanted to be. You helped me down a path of introspection, one where I allowed myself to challenge my beliefs, discover new authors, listen to progressive voices, and show empathy in a way I didn't know I was capable of. I don't think I could stand in the same room with the younger version of myself. That's not true. You should stand in the same room because hopefully then you could be that person to maybe give an empathy example. Right. But that reality doesn't exist. So let's not dwell too much on it. It doesn't exist yet. But let's imagine we're in the the Ryan Johnson world of Looper for a second. (laughs) Okay. Go back and close the loop. Uh, So anyways, he says the first time I crowdfunded something was because of Matt's passion for work with Outerlands. Okay. And he says, I remember being annoyed when Mitch and Arthur were falling in love with Dota. I didn't want to hear about some dumb MOBA on the show. But fast forward a couple of years and I've just passed a thousand hours in the game. It's less so. falling in love with and more just like a terribly ill-advised hookup that continues. He says he's been to two internationals and don't think he could miss one ever again. I do sympathize with that. Like the thought of like missing the international makes me sad. He's doing like, his thesis on Dota. Wow. Part of my thesis was Eat Sleep Game true so it it just goes on and on james when did you ever listen to the show prior to being on it or were you just a comedy yep. button person no i listened i i knew you through or like had heard of you through gfw okay through, through buddy and then how old were you when you were listening to gfw it's high 17? school 17 17 probably 16, 17. Um, Think about the influence that you were on a 17-year-old uh, No, but seriously, like, that show was, like, like the reason that, like, I, I enjoyed it is because it was, like, all of you, it was, this, it was similar to this show of different opinions, also really funny, but also just, like, deeply, deeply analytical. Where, yeah. Um, and then through that, the one-up show, which was, like, like the influence on what who I am today, like my my professional career. Um, I've told I think I, I don't know if I said this on a recent podcast or I think I said on Twitter, but uh, work the moment where I hired Matt for a project and hired Area Five for a project was one of the <laughs> weirdest experiences for me as someone who went oh I, I really like these guys' work to then being like hey can you do work for me. And like and like having Matt ask you questions, I was like, "This is super weird." And this is all, I've all, I'm also Matt's friend, right? So it's like it was it's, it was still a surreal experience. It was a really weird moment being on co op as a representative of Team Xbox for the first time, like 
that was a very strange time. It was very surreal as someone who watched the one up show with Anthony, like in one of our bedrooms, mm-hmm. like during college, like whoever we ended up going, whoever's house we ended up going to, mm-hmm. like it, it was, was really, yours. I had this set up to where we could watch it on my TV. You had an HDTV before I did too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. My brother's yeah. been giving me TV since like 2006. <laughs> no, seriously. I did give you. I gave you a CRT TV. You gave me a CRT TV that could do 480i. This is the one that was that for a long time. The one that was in your room. I don't know a CRT. A CRT. I don't think it's CRT that was in. No, this isn't Davis. He didn't leave Davis with this TV because (laughs) I. One of the reasons I gave it to him was because I said you can have this TV if you come and get it. Yeah, if you move it because it was heavy. I (laughs) left it with my friend Paul. It was like a 27 inch CRT, and it okay. And it was 480i, and then during my time in Davis, I ended up passing that on to Paul and getting a really crappy, like... 27-inch. 27 27-inch 27 that cost me still, like, 600 bucks or something. It was crazy. Yeah. So... But yeah. In the nine, so, in the nine years it, between, well, more if you count, like, GFW days, I was living at home, going to community college, dropped out, had a year of uh, where I was dealing with some of my mental health stuff, uh... Basically got kicked out of the house and was told, move to L.A. And moved in with my cousin. And then that was when you and I started playing games together. Which was, like, almost six years ago now? Uh, Yeah, that would have been 2011 or 12. Yeah. Yeah, because I was 20. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. Which is a crazy thing. It was, it was th- like three years into this podcast and it's now, <laughs> now almost. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, James wasn't the only baby to listen to our show. Chris says he was listening since he was 13. Fuck. And he says, and like many other 13-year-olds, and I will put a little warning that his email has some offensive language. I was pretty foul-mouthed and always thought that if words were really enough to bother a person, that person simply wasn't thick-skinned enough. But he was 13. But the early episodes so of Rebel Femme like that contained topic of the week discussions about racism, sexuality, and the like taught me why certain words like retarded or faggot shouldn't be used and put into context about how they actually affect and hurt people. Values and discussions like this have continued throughout the nine years of Fantastic Podcasts. So thank you. Yeah, it's true. I was very fortunate to have a friend's sister that was older than me who heard me saying uh, faggot. It was not a word I was happy to use at the time, you know, or not happy to use it now, but it was a word that I definitely used because I was in high school. It doesn't mean gay. Yeah. And I was in high school and I was using it all the time or calling Mm -hmm. people gay. Like that was a very common thing. And then she was like, hey, did you know, you know, our brother, our older brother who you really like and get along? He's gay. And when you say shit like that, it bothers him. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. That's all it took. It was just like, you know, I think a lot of my opinions changed about things. Like I was also like never like openly anti-transgender but i was like never knew anyone transgender so until i worked with someone who was and then that like kind of just gave me the perspective to like it wasn't like again i wasn't like anti it but i was like a little like weirded out at first because i didn't know and so like i think i had all these cultural things about it that i was like in movies like all the movies we talked about that we grew up with portrayed it as like a thing that was like well, that person's just fucking crazy. I mean, you don't even have to go back very far to find movies that do that. Like, The 40-Year-Old Virgin has, like, a bunch of transsexual jokes in it. Right, and it's just like, yeah, they're just fucking weird people who are crazy. And then when I worked with someone, I was like, man, like, here's a real-life person as opposed to, like, this 
these portrayals that I've been given. So I, I was very fortunate to work in places that hired transgender people and stuff like that and worked with them so that I could be like, all oh, that was, what was I? How was my, just like culture got it so fucking wrong. So. Well, I think it, like, the internet's changed since then. It, it, for the worse and for the better. Of the, I think there is a lot, or at least I, I wasn't seeing that discussion until the last few years. Or it was like such a great segregated two parts was segregated, and so you wouldn't see it. Yeah, and and now it is is at the forefront. I feel like one of the turning points is definitely like the Penny Arcade Dick Wolf stuff. Yeah, that definitely clicked over a lot of a lot of things for a lot of people. I think. Yeah, although it was also I feel like it planted the seeds for some of the the things the anti SJW pushback kind of shit. Yeah, but yeah. It just, yeah, you'd be amazed how once you just have to encounter, I feel a little bit like a, like, not that I was ever like horribly biased or fucked up, but you know, when you see something like American history X and right in the part of the transformation, the character goes in that movie when he's super racist is when he's just working with a black person every day. Right. And he has that moment where personifies them. I think it's very easy for people who have never known someone who was openly, because you probably have known someone who was gay but you didn't know someone who was openly gay or openly transgender or something like that. And then it like completely shapes your values. Yeah. Like you always see people who are like, I don't even see race and stuff like that. Like, obviously you fucking do, but it is interesting living in the Bay to the point where a lot of times I, I noticed, I noticed that I don't notice sometimes Mm -hmm. until I do like think about the fact that like, you know, like, Oh, so-and-so is a transgender person or something like that. Like I, I don't even think about those things anymore because it's just, so what? And that's actually a, a nice thing yeah. to like look back and realize in my life, you know, because I know that coming from where I grew up and stuff in high school for me and even in college, like if Arthur and I had been walking together in Davis and I had seen someone like I would have been like, what? You know, and it, it would have been like a, a thing that I had never. I mean, I was also living in a town where I'd never had Indian food or anything. I got it. So it was so culturally like like I I, just, I never had an artichoke heart until I went to Davis. Yeah. Like Greek food. Like. And so I don't mean to compare like the plights of people that have grown up being transgender and stuff like that with food, but I just am trying to say that I You're totally un- I understand slob. where this kid is coming from as a 13 year old because I grew up in a place where I was so culturally surrounded by one ideology that it's very easy to come up in that and be like, yeah, none of this shit matters. All these people are just sensitive little bitches or something like that. And you, you realize you're just an idiot. So hopefully we help some of you not be idiots. Um, Much like we tried to be less, less and less of an idiot progressively over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember the episode where, like, it when we, uh, it was like the conversation of stop saying retard as this is retarded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that I yeah. think people get mad at them. Like, I could never be friends with my old self, but I'm like, I mean, hopefully, you never stop learning. Right? It's not like all of a sudden you become thirty and you're like. I got it all right. I'll never have to rethink my Certainly language. Certainly hasn't been the case for any again. of us. So, no. Yeah. Not to shit on your cereal or make you sad, but turning 30 does not actually give you the answers. Nope. 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 nope, nope. Um, but I, I feel like Ryan Scott was at least partly responsible for the for getting rid of the use of the word retarded, especially in our sort of like circles. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, he was. He would just always, at first, his his or transition at first, but he would put, this is rword.org. Yeah. That's <laughs> what he would put. So, uh, let's see. I'm going to try and, we've had many people write in, your lives have all changed far too much. Holy fuck. A lot of kids. 
Well, people had babies. Yeah. We spent the last nine years banging. I mean, people spent the last nine years becoming adults. It's so weird. Like, let's see. Jacob writes in. He says, I just turned 18 when Rebel of Him started and am now 28. I've learned many new things from Rebel of Him that helped me grow up. I learned how to criticize all different types of media without being mean or hateful. <laughs> I mean, I laugh only because I'm like, ah, there were some years of doing Rebel of Him where I was pretty mean. So I've also learned to understand how words can affect everyone differently. There's no need for words like that in life. He says, Rebel of Him has also guided me a path towards a, a career that I will enjoy. I was very hesitant and indecisive about picking a career path, but RoboFilm helped me choose the path I'm on now. Holy shit. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Um, he says, in the past nine years, I got my current job started, dropped out and restarted college, met my current girlfriend and future wife, bought a house, a car, and adopted two cats with her. So, it's your starter kids. <laughs> yeah, he, he built a family. Yeah, I, I, or maybe your forever kids, depending on what your perspective is. Hey, on I having. feel like he's accomplished more than I have. <laughs> think about what you've accomplished right you've moved somewhere we didn't know anyone established yourself started off as like an intern at a media company built it up and now you're working at like one of the biggest like video game related companies in the whole industry like i don't know that's true i just like it's i think it's personal achievement versus it's tough to say like like you know i actually know that jacob doesn't live somewhere like we do too where it's like if you lived right somewhere else james you could have a house yeah. yeah. Sometimes I think about that where I'm like, so many people I know are buying houses. I'm like, owning property. <sighs> it's a life accomplishment. I'm paying rent. At least, yes. like, at least I'm paying rent on my own. Yes. Yeah. I've never missed rent. That's what I can say. So I've, I've always managed to do that even when I was unemployed. So I'm happy about that. Uh, I'll read this one from Josh. Okay. Uh, Rebel Femme started as I was ending my senior year of high school. <laughs> Fuck. Having no idea what I wanted to do, but games journalism seemed like a good career. Then the one apocalypse happened and that went out the window. That's good judgment that you demonstrated at that age, Josh. <laughs> Since then, I've done the following. Graduated high school and college. Moved to New York City with nothing but a suitcase. Had 15 jobs, including quitting an internship with Robert De Niro's daughter after meeting Julia Stiles. Uh, became an IT person at a startup since the previous team left. And as a contract video editor, video, video editor I knew computers. Then became a video producer at Adweek. I've had Vanilla Namat in my wish list for seven years at this point. Anyway, thanks for the pods. Wow. The scent. The yes. scent of Reynolds Wealth M. Um, wow. Here's one that's just like a little bit of like transition that some of us might understand. Francis. Uh, over the past nine years, I went from playing WoW for 18 hours a day. To having a career with a two-kid family in a suburban house. You've all been in my ears weekly-ish for all of it. I hope this one-way friendship can continue for another 18 years. <laughs> so. Is it going to be weird when someone's kid of some a listener emails us? I I think that there's no way that we're still doing the show by the time no, But it happens. could happen if there's like someone who's 36 now with a nine-year-old. And maybe they occasionally, like, or let's say they were 36 when the show started, and then now their nine-year-old's fucking 18. Okay, that's possible, but I'm not, like, I don't want to put a ceiling on the podcast, but I have a difficult time imagining that nine <laughs> years from now we're still doing this podcast. Although, to be fair, when we started, if you had told me we'd be doing it nine years from that day, I'd be like, 
Oh God. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Think about the sheer amount of my farts you've exposed yourself to. I, we didn't need a podcast for that. Though. In the case of, in the course of just this podcast. I had inhaled like a football stadium's worth of them before we ever recorded this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is from Devin. Devin said, I've been listening to Rebel FM since the first podcast came from one of FM. When the show started, I was a sophomore in high school. Fuck. In this time, I've graduated from high school, moved from Chicago to south, from southwest Montana. Uh, Dylan, if Matt is curious, Matt's not here, but I'm sure he would be. Come to terms with my mental illness. Came out as trans and drastically improved my feelings about myself. Successfully separated from an abusive from abusive family members in large part due to an episode where Arthur spoke about how you don't even have to love family. Got through four years of college and graduated on time, despite many times when that seemed impossible. Got a real job where my ADHD ass can listen to podcasts while coding the whole day. Had a number of healthy polyamorous relationships, even without the help of Amber White and Amat. Continued to assert the non-existence of North Dakota. That sounds like the right move for you. All in all, the show has gotten me through a number of incredibly rough times, often served as a way to cheer me up, and I still get excited every time the show begins. Fat penis and love, Devin. Good shit. Good for you, Devin. If I don't read your letter, it's not because I hate you or anything. Like, Joe wrote in, got married, had kids, got divorced, moved places, like, people... And he mentioned Amber Nomat as well. Like, it's crazy how many people... Like, one person wrote in, Andrew, it said... That he just celebrated 10 years of sobriety and the show helped him through that because he had been doing a lot of opiates. Um, right? Is that how you say it? Opiates? Opioids? Opioids? Yes. I'm not sure. So, you know, I can understand when you're dealing with... Well, I can't understand. But I understand that I that when you're dealing with drug stuff, that having distractions is very helpful at times. So, I'm glad that we could at least be that. Um, let's see... Started listening to Anthony when I was in high school, okay? So keep in mind, during the IGN days. This is JJ. And he says, currently I'm a PhD in computer science. <laughs> Wait, so that was... Probably around the, like, seven years ago or something, yeah. right? That would make sense if he was, like, a senior in high school. Now he's entering his PhD program. Oh, so he's entering his PHD. I think he. Just, I thought you meant he got his PhD. I was like, holy and crap. And you want to talk about growth. There's definitely things I remember saying on IGN podcasts where I'm like, I really wish that I had not said some of the things that I said. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's as, you know. Even stuff that I think about now and I kind of chuckle a little bit thinking about it, it was just so grossly inappropriate. Oh, I mean, in today's world, all of us are fired working there that now. And honestly, like, like even in that in that world oh yeah i mean the game's better than even chance we probably should have been fired yeah people weren't paying attention yeah (laughs) or the right people weren't paying attention yeah um uh let's see wow i mean here's someone that's been listening to us for nine years his name is josh and he says he's grown out of the video game hobbies he says i'm more of a board gamer now fucking elitist and he says but uh, he has passed the torch to his kids he says his seven-year-old plays through journey a couple times on saturday mornings before i even wake up so uh he's about to beat mario rpg on the snes mini yeah wow it's just crazy that yeah there's someone who their kid could listen to our podcast seven start him up 
Start them up. Get them listening. Please don't. Get that fucking kid listening to this Please fucking don't. podcast. That penis, that penis, that penis. I don't penis. want to think about <laughs> seven-year-olds listening to this podcast. I don't want to think about seven-year-olds, to be totally honest. I want your child going to school on next Tuesday and for him to tell all the fucking kids that fucking Mario's awesome. I want him to go up to his teacher and say, Mario's so fucking cool. <laughs> so This is going to happen. You realize this is actually going to happen. If there, if I could hire that really speed talker dude right now, I would say like Robofoam does not actually want none of this happen. The Micro Machines <laughs> guy. Yeah, I was actually watching YouTube videos about that guy today, because <laughs> I watched a video of a of someone who was writing out a math equation, and the sound of their pencil when writing this equation does the Cantina song perfectly as they do the whole equation. It ends perfectly, and then the video finished and was like, next up. Watch the Micro Machines guy sing all of the song, all of Michael Jackson's I'm Bad in 20 seconds. And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> we got to see that. So, uh, Josh also says, I remember during some of the deepest parts of the Gamergate flare up a couple of years or so ago, along with all the police brutality, I began to really despair raising my four-year-old daughter into the world that was revealing itself to me. Somehow now I find hope and strength despite no real resolution for the problems that are out there, but I suppose it helps to know that there are caring people like you folks out there. It is reassuring to know that there are people out there who are still doing their best to raise their children well in a world I mean, where the kinds of shit that happen keep happening. I don't want to, like, I would never minimize, I don't want to minimize it, but, like, I also feel like police brutality and shit, that is terrible. But it's not like a mortal fear. I feel like living in this world, like I for you, for for me, I guess. But it's I don't know. I guess I just think about like, would that make me really scared to raise a child in this world? I think for I, people living if in, I was pla- black, living if I was black, or yes, in Chicago, like South Chicago, yes, absolutely. Like, and that's to speak to the show a little bit. Like one of the sort of regrets that I have, and the thing, one of the things that's honestly difficult for us to to reconcile and rectify is like that people of color have not been particularly well represented on this podcast because of how geographically sort of centered we are or like the ways that we record and the people that we record with. Like, I wish that that's something that we could have, I continue to wish that it's something that we could handle better. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there was people that were knowledgeable and that we knew, that were local for sure. Why not? But this just never worked out that way. A lot of times, unfortunately, I'm sure that they're there and we just don't know about them and that it's not an excuse. It's just like, I wish that we, I wish that we had done and I wish we did better on that. We, we I've tried a bit recently with like, like having more women, like the women that I've worked with yeah. on the show. And like a lot of the times it was, it wasn't like, to be very frank, it's being like, hey, come on the podcast. And, like, people who don't know you, like, um, there's some people who didn't know you. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd, like, if, like, Arthur would on the podcast. And I was like, no, 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 it's totally fine. I mean, we've had... No, we've, but it's not that, 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 that they think they would hate, like, that you would hate them. Had, it's just had, it's like people that are like, oh, it's like, it's your your guys' thing. It's like the boys' club. And it's like... It is, it's honestly a miracle that this podcast ever happens at all. But... I, I think, yeah, well, we've had lots of, like, women on the show throughout time. Like, that's yeah. for sure happened. But it's, as far as, like, like minorities and stuff, that's definitely been far, 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 far fewer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I would have loved to have had N-Guy when he was out here sometime on the show. We've had N-Guy on the show. That's right. Fuck. That's, see, that's how, but that's how few times there was. We did have N-Guy on the show. Yeah, talking about Resident Evil 5. Who was he here with? I feel like he came Skip. up. That's who it was. It was Skip and N-Guy. Fuck. I think see? Patrick might have been here too. Yeah, but it's just like, 
I think Patrick talked about Red Faction Guerrilla, that show. It's just be, it's part of it's just because it was people that are local and people that we knew, which made circles upon circles. And then when you're trying to find a minority within the circle upon circles, it's very tough. Which is, it's still not very well, well represented. Well represented. It's getting better, but in the game. It's still not great where here in yeah. San Francisco. Especially. Anyways, I didn't mean to belittle the fact that raising your, your kids, especially if you're black in a world where there's police brutality, that is a frightening thing. It just was making me think about like, I remember my mom talking about when she had me that she felt true mortal fear about the fact that she brought me into the world because there was literally a looming possible nuclear war all the time. Like that was hey, something full circle. Yeah. That's and that's what I was thinking. I was like, now I totally would get it because yeah, I like, like there was literally like, like I'm not saying that again, police brutality all that shit is very scary. I, it's just not necessarily an apocalypse in the same way. And that's what I was thinking about, you know? Not that it's. I like that you dig yourself out of the hole and then like dig a little hole again and get back into it. Well, it's it's. Let me put it this way: it's a personal apocalypse versus a global apocalypse. Oh yeah, like if, and, if someone and, in your life dies, it might as well be an apocalypse. They're yeah. the same scale for for this for people. That's oh. the thing. They they're if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. If your child dies, for a lot of people, that might as well be. The everybody of, that's on the Earth end died. of their world. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, as my fiance would put it, you just want to kill all your Mario's at that point. That's what she she always describes when you hit that point where something in your life it doesn't matter what it is your personal threshold that pushes you over the edge that your world is over yeah that's what it matters so yes. anyways uh, I hope I didn't come across totally insensitive I'm sorry if I did that's not what I felt but I was just thinking about like I often think about the end of the world so that's all uh, let's see Adam wait. That reminds me, one of the most bizarre things about doing this show that I am most grateful for is the fact that nine years ago, I never would have imagined that Adam Sessler would be in my living room recording a podcast with us. Yeah. Yeah. Never. Even after the one-up stuff. Like, like the one-up dudes, it's like a level of internet celebrity, right? And it's like, holy shit, like... I really love everything you guys do. And now I'm a colleague in some ways, but like Adam was like sort of like several tiers above that level of internet celebrity. And so to meet and become pretty good friends with him and to have him on this podcast in some continues way, to be a surreal thing. Yeah. In some ways, each of each of my jobs between this and now working at Twitch and working with uh, my boss, Anna and DJ Wheat of like, those were some of the people that, like I was watching around the same time in East Korean barbecue with day nine. Yeah, it's 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 a strange occurrence that like I put I put like Marcus in the same boat as like Adam of people who were just, they were like the original people in the gaming industry or like some of the most significant people in that industry. Like red versus blue, like G four tech TV yeah. era. Internet yeah, I didn't feel very much when I had Adam on, not because Adam's not an incredible thing, but I think because I had just been in the industry long enough by then. Whereas I gotten all that out in my first couple of years at One Up and stuff, that was like the time where I was like, oh, "You, you, it's the guy who made Tetris. It is literally Jeff Green," which is a weird thing to say now because I talk with Jeff on a semi regular basis. But at the time, I was like. I work in the same office as Jeff. I can't ever talk to him. I hope someday he'll talk to me. Like that's when you and I first started working together. Like you got you got me that job. Like I helped get you. you, you Obviously, you had to interview and get yourself that job. Yeah, but but yeah, but like even when I like you and I didn't talk all that much because I didn't want to. I felt like I was bothering you. Yeah, 
Well, that's also my personality type. I'll come yeah. across like you're bothering me. <laughs> so, but then we, then we started doing Lonely Club and and hanging out more and like, that's right, Lonely Club. Uh, James, did you go on that uh, that one time we did the triple date thing, or was that me? No, that was you, you, Mitch, and Andrew. Yeah, what a weird thing that was. Anyway, because I, I think it was because I was a little bit younger than everyone else, and the the the, other, the group that you got matched with was a little bit older, so it was like. Yeah, that was the most, one of the more interesting dates I ever went on in my life, only because I went on it, and you went on it with your two friends, and three girls met you there, and you had drink tickets, so there, you didn't buy, the whole premise was you didn't buy drinks, so there was no pressure from either group to feel like they needed to be there, which is, you know, a cool premise. And immediately, all we all knew no one was interested in each other at all. No one, one in our side was interested in them. They were not interested in us. Weren't they, like, leaving for the airport? Like I think they were just there, yeah, for, like, maybe a conference or something. And so we just, like, met them. I don't know. Actually, I have no clue, actually. Yeah. If I go back, I have no clue what they were doing. Uh, but I just remember it was really interesting just continuing to hang out together, knowing that nobody had any real chemistry. So now we're literally basically more like people at an airport talking to each other because we're just like hey we have to kill time now which was a weird premise never had something like that um let's see man lots of people getting married having children no one sent in baby photos though one person wrote in how many baby photos you guys yeah that's actually a good point surprisingly few baby photos um just say none that i've seen uh billy shibley replied on twitter that said that like he got his first gaming job after <laughs> listening to our podcast and that he followed our e3 advice which was don't be weird and bring business cards <laughs> yeah and that dude, which is good advice that dude's worked for like dev studios machinima yep and now works i forget where he works now but i know he works at the studio i'm pretty sure does he work at edelman thank you or, or is that edelman these days Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like the element Call of Duty Destiny people, yeah. I think. So, yeah, man. That guy, uh... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No. He's at Activision. On Destiny. On Destiny. That, 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 there... It's, uh, Eric Martin who works at Edelman on Destiny. Let's see. Michael writes in... It says, I don't write Leprechaun Shadow War fanfic anymore, so that's good. It says, I was diagnosed with cancer two years ago and had major organ removal surgery. Oftentimes during my recovery, I would just cry and mope about my condition. It got to the point where all I could think of was my cancer and all the life-altering things that happened to me as a result of it. Long story short, I lost like 120 pounds in a couple months, which is not healthy. What organs did they take out? <laughs> he clarifies, which is not healthy, which is like... No. Uh... And I'm allergic to the most prevalent chemo drug. It gave him a heart attack. Jesus. So I didn't have a lot of promises of stemming cancer's tide. At some point, I had to do something rather than waste away. So I dragged myself out and began to walk. I would listen to the podcast and other Gallegos affiliated works. <laughs> we won't name them. Uh, you can I, name them. There's no, no, not no. like a, a fucking he, embargo he, no, 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 on he just comedy called, button. He, he just called them Gallegos affiliated works. I couldn't make it more than 20, 30 minutes at a time at first, but listening to the Rebel Film Crew helped a lot. Like I wasn't alone dragging my ass out into the Chicago winter, staving off my mortality. Chicago winter, fucking good on you, sick with cancer, Chicago winter. Jesus. Make, might make you want to die, actually. Um, so, 
He said, I started listening to just parts of podcasts as I could only walk for short periods. And then I got stronger and started to run. I listened to longer and longer stretches so much that I can actually listen to a whole Rebel film when I do my weekend longer runs. That's fucking crazy. That is a long run. I don't know if I've ever run that long in my life. Like in a one one run. What's the longest do you think you've run at a stretch? 40 minutes. Really? Probably. 40 minutes, maybe. So you did like twice around the lake? I mean... 40 minutes i the fastest i ever did the lake the absolute fastest 27 minutes i remember and i came i finished and i was like i'm like iron man or captain america like i didn't stop once and i was like that was like nine minute miles like how did i do that and i never replicated it ever again (laughs) and it wasn't like i came home and stretched i remember i i remember we were still living together just came home put on my stupid fucking toe shoes and the avatar soundtrack the movie soundtrack mind you (laughs) And didn't eat anything, no stretching, just went out and ran in the, the cold. Avatar sound. Finished, came home and ate some wow. black bean and hummus wraps. And it was like, yeah, like, yeah. I used to run in toe shoes listening to the Avatar soundtrack. That's when how my when our changed. podcast started, we got to see the entirety of Sam Worthington's <laughs> film career and then recorded seven more years of podcasts. Yeah, actually, I remember going to see Avatar and around that same time I went and saw another movie and I was like, there's Sam Worthington guys like getting all the roles. And then Clash of the Titans. There's Clash of the Titans I went and saw with you. And then I was like, and he's gone. Terminator Salvation. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that guy. I don't. Did, like, did he do like Spartacus or one of the? I'm just like what? But my no, my question else. is, what did he do that made everyone hate him? Like, was it that Clash of the Titans failed so miserably and terminated it? And no, because so they made a second Clash of the Titans. They did. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, what what is, is Sam Worthington like secretly like a shitlord, and you know, like no one wants to work with him? That would not surprise me. So maybe he's really awesome. <laughs> he was in a movie called The Shack fairly recently. He's probably going to be in the next Avatar. Anyways, Mike's happy that we were there when he was scared to die. But now he's doing okay. So, uh, let's see. We got a couple more. Yair, who's been like a constant person that writes in all the time. Uh, so he said, he's been listening to Rebel FM. He, it started, he got discharged from the army and got called back for two skirmishes. Mind you, he's Israeli. Mm. So, uh, got my bachelor's of science and master's of science in biotechnology flew to san francisco for beyond 200 where i got to meet anthony lost over 100 pounds got in shape met the most beautiful girl in the world survived a breakup with said girl but ended up marrying her uh then i moved to cyprus for two years of school and now finishing up medical school back home in israel i had the pleasure of meeting various hosts throughout the years and you had a bigger impact in my life than you think made me laugh and also grow as a person and look, appreciate new things and look at others in a new light, even outside video games. So, thanks, Ayer. Yeah, year. Thanks for letting me learn, know how to pronounce your name for all these years, too. Because I probably would have messed that up forever if I hadn't met you. So, yeah, man. People have been listening to us for far, far, far too long. I can't even... How many hours of podcasts have we done? Uh, like, let's see, 360. If this is episode 360, and let's just average it out to say every episode was an hour and a half because we've done some short ones and we've done some. At first, the episodes were like three. We were like bombcast length when we first started. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah, those were. It was an all night affair. I mean, this is still like a whole evening affair for us, but literally when we did Rebel FM, it was like, it started by five so we can be done by 10 or something. It was fucking crazy. Um, 
I don't know. I'm going to guess we've probably done a thousand-ish hours between everything. That doesn't sound that far-fetched. Like maybe 800-ish hours? 800 to 1,000 hours, I would guess. Plus all the specials and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's where we get up to yeah. 800 to 1,000 hours. And then multiply that by the amount of listeners that individually have listened to the show. And then that amount of hours it's such in, a weird, in years. It's such a weird thing. What weirds me out about the show still to this day the most is when there are people in the industry who listen. Of which there like, are several. I expect there to be people who are just fans and stuff because that's what we started out. And that's who I think about listening to podcasts. But it's funny because I was like, people who make games don't listen to podcasts about games, but they absolutely do. I do it now that I just make games. Like, I do all the time. So, yeah, it's just like, it is weird. I mean, the fucking Mass Effect voice actor listens to the show. It's like, what? Yeah. Why? Why? And I believe that he's listened for the entirety of the podcast. Wow. Well, Commander or Pathfinder? Pathfinder, yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking forward a little bit because we're looking into year 10. Fuck. I'm already looking forward to this year's extra life. Yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I love extra life. It is the one time a year that I, I get to sit and just, if not play video games the entire time, just be around games all day. That doesn't happen that often for me. I would like to do a live show. Doesn't have to be big, but I would, I think I, I want to try to put all, I want all, I mean, I, I'm, I'm putting for it. I would try to plan it, but. What do you mean a live show? Like a live podcast recording? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not. We the challenge is having cameras. Oh, I don't think we're going to. I wouldn't try to do it li- like that live. We were talking about just doing an audio podcast. Cause yeah. We're not, we're well, yeah, we did. We did it at PAX uh, several times. Yeah, we've done it at PAX. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess theoretically we could go to PAX. But every time we go to PAX, I'm just afraid no one's going to come. Yeah, literally every time we've ever been to PAX, like it's never been a problem. There have always been people there, but I've always worried that people aren't going to come. Yep. Thanks for always coming. Yeah, thanks yeah. for always showing up. <laughs> uh, Some of the same people, like we see, like Zyax, see, see Zyax every time. Yep. Yeah, man. There's been a lot of people who have stuck it out through thick and through thin. Like, literally, I was thicker back then yeah, than I am now. several of us were. <laughs> yeah. I saw pictures of myself recently. I was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I treated myself very badly. You know, I never said no. I'd be like, I mean, not to drugs, but to Arthur's fettuccine. <laughs> oh, you made, there's like extra sauce and a baguette. I'm eating it all. It is the best way to eat that sauce. <laughs> Who needs pasta? Yeah. Just Alfredo sauce and yep. some fucking French bread. <laughs> should I should I make it into scoops? No. Tear off a handful at a time. Dip it in the sauce halfway. Shove as much of it in your mouth as you can. Yeah. You can, yes. I think we've, you've moved that from that to now we've done with the beans and the rosemary bread. Oh, yeah. Now we eat, like, we eat fancy shit. <laughs> the Alfredo is harder to make than the beans. The beans just take longer. Well, even when we used to eat out with uh, the early donation money we got where we'd treat the guests with it, like, we'd just go to the local Mexican place that was not very yep. nice. Now it's like, not that we that money's long gone, but like, now we now we can afford things like fancy caviar burgers. So. <laughs> and milkshakes. Fucking yeah. milkshakes. Yeah. Well. It's a strange world. Yeah, it's a strange world. I mean, now we're so rich, I'm going to get on my electric skateboard and zoom out of here, so. 
I actually, I don't actually know if you're full of shit or not. I actually looked at one of those the other day and the the twofold reason was like, I can't get one of those. One is that they're $2,500. The other one was that, or like fifteen hundred. The other one was like, I would just be that San Francisco dude at that point, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I don't will be, not that guy. be that guy. Yeah, so that's why I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah, I have a four hundred dollar bicycle that I bought and was like, wow, what a fancy treat for me. So, I bought a fancy treat for myself on eBay, and someone stole it out of the lobby today. So, fuck you, whoever did that. First Cintiq, somebody stole it out of the fucking lobby. Yeah, it was actually Arthur's young self coming in to close the loop. This is how Arthur ruins himself with the Cintiq. I have to do it. I'm sorry, Arthur. So it was your Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, he just wanted you to stay. I'm a dick, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some people that isn't a revelation, but <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, nobody's perfect. I'm sure nobody's nerfing. I've pissed off people pretty much every episode that we've ever done, probably at some point, which is fine. I've been cleaning up your messes. Whether for it was nine for something years. I said or something I didn't say right, or from the whistling that I know my nose makes when I breathe that you sometimes hear. So, what do you think is the most like recognized meme from the podcast? I don't know that we really have one now, but fat penis was by far. Yeah, it was. Press X for was it press X for Jimbo? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> talk about. Things that we look back and regret somewhat. Making light of a woman being horribly disfigured by a chimp. I know, but it's just something about weird pothead Robert Ashley delivery that made it just, you were just like... Just thinking of it Kratos style. I was... (laughs) Robert Ashley recorded that podcast after we went out to eat beforehand and he had several beers. No, we, he had beers in the apartment. he brought beers with us, yeah. So he was just drinking the whole time. And again, that was when we used to record for three hours. So the man was getting drunk. It was something else. It was something else. Thank you, everyone who's ever been a part of the show. And for those who've just listened, you're still part of the show. So appreciate that, too. Uh, If you have a child, please get them hooked and listening. The sooner the better. The sooner the better. Um, It's never too early to start. Your child on Start episode one. Them. It says that we know that we mark them explicit, but I mean, you I know. don't know that I actually do mark them as explicit. Use your best judgment as a parent. They can fucking listen to the show. <laughs> so if you're in your family van right now, driving that Honda, whatever, you know, Odyssey, put it on the speakers. Let them hear it. Hook up the Bluetooth. And if they're, you know, the Bluetooth, hook up the Bluetooth. What are you, a fucking parent trying to troubleshoot their car stereo over the hook phone? Up the Bluetooth. I can't figure out the Bluetooth. If they're sitting in their child's seat, turn up the volume to wake them up out of their nap. They're going <laughs> to love it. Okay. Let them listen on the way to fucking Golden Corral before you shove all that processed food in their guts and then give them a half a Benadryl to send them off to blissful, blissful sleep so you can play some games. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can write your own letters to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. Do not give your children drugs and uh, accept this podcast. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. James is at James underscore Faulkner. Also Instagram. Because it's just James Faulkner. I've been finally posted photos. Good. Matt is at Talking Orange. On Twitter. And Arthur is at A-E-G-I-E-S. And then you can find his art at Pragmagic, uh, where he won't be posting digital on Instagram. art from Cintiq. Instagram, Pragmagic. 
You're bad at this. How are you I bad say? at what this? What the fuck did I say? Nine years. Well, no, what did I say? You can find him at Pragmagic. Uh, I didn't say the Instagram part? No, you didn't. <sighs> Nine years. You've been, you've been doing social media stuff at the end of the podcast for nine years. I mean, our teleprompter is really old. <laughs> so, Jesus. yeah, I, I, where do not, they find you? Anthony? I'm not always the best. Chef uh, money at Twitter and Twitch. And then, you know, if you want to. So anyways, thanks for playing. Thanks for watching. Have a nice life. Tuck your kids in, play some games. Good night.